District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to CFACT.org. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Happy 2022 and welcome to the first episode of the year. I am your host, Gabriella Hoffman. Thanks so much for tuning to District of Conservation. As per tradition, we're going to continue to have original content, especially in the form of interviews with newsmakers, up-and-comers, and those across conservation, energy, environment, shooting sports, hunting, fishing, and the like. We will not shy away from difficult topic conversations, and I will continue to produce monologues as I see fit to have broader discussion about timely political topics or measures that I think are important to you, our dear listeners. And for in order for us to be successful, I would love to encourage you guys to do one call to action for me if you feel inclined and are able to. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast, download some past episodes, and we would love you to leave us some reviews. We're a little empty on reviews recently. I don't think we've had some in a couple months, but if you like what you're hearing, you like the guests I bring on, you find this information to be valuable, please leave us a review on both Apple Podcasts and I just learned that Spotify is now enabling reviews. So we're going to have some information on how you can do that. You can find in the kind of steps to write a review and subscribe in the show notes. I'll include those for you. And I hope you take me up on that suggestion and, and do that. And most importantly, please share the podcast to your friends and those who are interested in these topics because the more we can reach people, I think the more I can be effective in being a disseminator of information, kind of being an observer, and that we can kind of break some records and kind of crack some different milestones. But we've had some great growth in the last year. We had, oh gosh, 22,000 some odd different downloads. And for a podcast of this kind of small stature, that's actually really good. And we're closing in on 50,000 downloads overall in the three years that I've been doing this. So there's a lot of great things we can do, but I need your help to help me spread the good word of District of Conservation. So I challenge you to do that, and I hope you will help me in this endeavor. In this episode today, I'm going to kind of illuminate some of my goals that I have for 2022. I'll offer some tips on how you can maximize your time in the great outdoors. And I'm going to talk about a great surprising story from the ATF relating to suppressor wait times in the process and how by the year's end, it's going to be a lot easier for you to buy a suppressor, oddly enough. So I hope you stay tuned to kind of hear my thoughts on this. And hopefully you've had a great start to 2022 thus far. May you resolve in 2022 to spend more time outdoors. I'm not sure how everyone listening is deciding how much time they're going to allot outdoors, what activities you're going to do. But I want to share some tips on how to maximize your experience fishing, hunting, boating, hiking, camping, whatever suits your interests. I want to offer some tips and offer and kind of lend to what I hope to accomplish more broadly speaking in 2022 when it comes to these outdoor pursuits. Okay, so first things first, what are some great resources if you're completely new to fishing and hunting or you want to learn how to hike better or find a nearby trail or perhaps you want to learn about boating or just foraging or something of that nature. There are plenty of resources. I think Google and the internet is a great first resource. You can simply type out a sentence about what your interest areas are related to these issues, and you can just go from there and really get lost in the different suggestions that are out there. Also, social media, 
more broadly speaking, is a good way to find influencers. And I hate sometimes citing influencers and influencer marketing. There's an inherent value to it, but sometimes it gets muddled and corrupted. But if you look to good influencers, especially those in the outdoor spaces, you can find great tips and get inspired to replicate kind of their behavior, replicate their activities. So look for good influencers too, in addition to enhancing your search online. More specifically, let's say you want to learn how to fish. You've never picked up a fishing rod. You've never cast a rod, cast a line. You've never caught a fish and you just are completely unaware of where to get your start in your search. I want to defer you to takemefishing.org, which is a great resource. There you will learn about bodies of water near you that you can fish. There's almost a body of water practically everywhere in the United States that you can find fish at. If you live in a metropolis area like I do in the DC metro area, we have so much water near us. It's almost ridiculous how much water we have. Sometimes we don't have as much fish as we'd like, but we have a lot of bodies of water that are either stocked or naturally supplied with fish. And Take Me Fishing can introduce you to bodies of water near you. It'll give you and dispense information on licenses that you need. It's extremely important that you have a license anytime you go fishing. You're going to need a basic freshwater license. And if you want to target trout, a trout stamp in most states and have those for your freshwater experiences. For special bodies of water, you may have to get a permit, which are sometimes free. In Virginia, we have, I think it's the best trout fishery. It's called Mossy Creek. And users that want to access this don't have to pay a fee, but you have to sign up for the access permit, $0 to access something like that. Or if you're fishing in a national forest, it's $3 a year from my last check of looking into that. So you will have to pay a little bit to enjoy fishing, but all those monies that you're paying go back to replenishing fish stockings, allow habitat to be restored, different bodies of water to be protected, things of that sort. So your money is going towards something. And depending upon where you live in Virginia, it's about 20 something dollars per license. And for the whole year, that's a great deal. And you don't have to worry about poaching. You don't have to worry about fishing in a wrong manner. I mean, obviously you have to study what is a creel limit, how much fish you can keep, the size limits, things of that sort. But your fishing license largely protects you from fishing illegally and you don't want to do that. But Take Me Fishing, great resource. You can learn about different species that are in these bodies of water after you get your license, things of that sort. They host great clinics at the different fishing and boating trade shows. They're going to be sponsoring the Virginia Fly Fishing Festival. So that's a great place to start if you're learning how to fish. Something I would like to do myself, hopefully, is to become more adept at boating because you need a license to do boating, even recreationally. But Discover Boating is a great tool to learn about boating. I can't really speak much beyond that. If you want to get your captain's license, that's a whole nother story. But I've had some friends over the years become captains running their fishing charters. My good friend Debbie Hansen out of Southwest Florida got her license several years ago. She is very, very busy and very successful at her fishing charter. And that just speaks to how great of an angler she is, of course. But you see a lot of people even doing boating recreationally, commercially for outfitting efforts. And I think you're going to see more people do that. Discover boating, I think, is a great place to start commercially if you want to run your charter. I can't speak to that. But if you want to learn how to boat, Discover boating is probably the best resource. And I'm hoping to undertake that myself in this year or maybe the 
year following, whatever my time schedule looks like, but I'm hoping to get a boating license at some point just so I can, let's say, you know, operate a boat recreationally with friends. That would be kind of fun to do and to not get in trouble. When it comes to hunting, oh my, there's so much you can begin with. I would say first look to your state wildlife agency. In Virginia, we are very blessed to have a lot of resources afoot. You can learn about the different seasons. You can take your hunter's education course. It's super easy to do. You can do it online if you're constrained for time and you're not able to do an in-person class. And I don't know how popular or universal in-person classes are. I know with COVID, people are doing everything virtually online, but I did my hunting education class online pre-COVID several years ago, and I found it was super easy to complete. You pay some odd money, I think 50 bucks to complete it, but it's pretty universal when you pass it. So you don't need to reapply for a hunter's education permit or retake your test in most states. It's pretty universally accepted. You'll certainly have to pay different rates when you buy different licenses for resident versus non-resident, but that's not really related to this. But your hunter's education course you can complete, and then you're going to be challenged to find hunting mentors. To look for hunting mentors, you could also look on the Wildlife Agency website, and it will probably point you to different organizations like Becoming an Outdoors Woman. Uh, you could look to groups like National Deer Association, the National Wild Turkey Federation, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, Safari Club International, Boone and Crockett Club. And when you research and learn about those different groups, you're going to find that there are a lot of people in those organizations who want to mentor new hunters. And you may be surprised to find in your state chapter or your local chapter that these people may willingly take you hunting. If you show an interest and a willingness, you get your license, things of that sort. And I think I've seen a lot of people take newbies into the field, whether they're lapsed hunters, people who did a little bit of hunting, really didn't get their feet wet with it, and then return to the sport, and then newbies who've never really experienced it. And I was in that position about four years ago myself. I still consider myself beginner intermediate, but uh, finding a mentor from your state wildlife agency or from the different organizations listed there is also another great start. And again, you could look on social media, follow me, and I'll try to give my best tips on that as well. But there's a lot you can find there. Now, if you're looking to do like hiking, camping, or foraging for berries or fungi, there aren't really that much of dedicated organizations. Maybe I'm so insulated with hunting and fishing, I see more of it, and maybe I'm predisposed to be more biased with resources and hook and bullet activities. But I have seen a little bit of activity online. There are different Facebook groups to learn about uh, mushroom hunting. You can learn about camping and hiking. Those are great places to start if you have no idea what to do or how to begin. I think there's a trail website called All Trails or Hiking Upward. I think those are two resources I've seen in the past to learn about different hiking climbs. Climbs I would take in Virginia. I think I learned about Old Rag Mountain a few years ago when I hiked it in five hours or so. How to prepare for it, what to be on the lookout for. So Different resources like forums, Facebook groups, social media groups, where you can learn about these even outdoor activities as well. And you can go full throttle if you're looking to go full throttle with it. I think also something I want to also share an interest with if you like kind of visual stuff and you like photography like I do, is to also plan and chart activities relating to camera, filmography, things of that sort. I really want to become even more familiar with my camera platform. And I haven't 
really fulfilled my goal of taking as many pictures of wildlife unobstructed. And I think even if you start as simply as photographing waterfowl, we have a lot of waterfowl here. I would love to personally photograph wood ducks. They're beautiful ducks. And we have a lot of them on the Potomac River as you're going from Mount Vernon, Alexandria to Old Town Alexandria. It's actually a really great spot for photography. There's Conowingo Dam for photographing bald eagles. I can even see bald eagles in my corner of Virginia. There's a lot of places where you can basically begin. So even if you want to photograph wildlife or photograph outdoor landscapes, that's also a great way to go outdoors. And so I guess personally speaking for me, now that I talked about some tips for you guys to maximize your time outdoors, I think speaking to the last point I just made, I definitely want to spend more time photographing sunrises and sunsets. The views are quite spectacular here in Northern Virginia. So I definitely want to do that. Like I said, photographing waterfowl, I think would be great. I have a lot of wildlife critters that come to my backyard, ranging from white-tailed deer to birds of prey to red foxes, hoping I can go down to southwestern Virginia to photograph the elk because the first elk season is going to be commencing later this fall and other wildlife opportunities like that. So I'm, And also in my travels, I think I want to try to photograph some of the wildlife that I encountered there safely from a distance, of course, because last year I was so lucky with being able to photograph grizzly bears in Montana's Paradise Valley, which I will talk about in a YouTube video coming up very soon. I plan to, in terms of resolutions for fishing and hunting, I plan to fly fish more. And when I am able to, or I feel kind of dispirited when fly fishing doesn't work in my favor, I will bring out the bait and spin rods because sometimes you have better luck catching fish on that. But I'm hoping to catch bigger fish on the fly this year and kind of continue to grow in my journey as a fly angler. I'm hoping to get more time in the field hunting, whether it is pursuing turkey, upland bird, waterfowl, deer. I would really like another deer because I'm all out of venison now. Maybe a spring turkey. We'll see what happens there. I'm going to go out of a limb and next month when it opens up, I will apply for an elk license in the lottery system that they're going to be introducing for residents and non-residents and try my hand at getting one. I have no idea what the likelihood of it will be. I know because it is the first season, the probably allotment of tags is going to be limited, maybe to 10 elk tags. So I will get those numbers. We're going to report on that and I'll explain the process. I'll create a video, like I said, about that, much like I plan to create a video about how to maximize shooting grizzlies photographing grizzlies, I should say, in the wild and how even if you support bear management efforts, you can do that as well. But I hope to draw for a tag in the elk lottery. Even if I don't, I just on principle want to do it, pump money back to the to the elk and, you know, have it take off from there. So that's something I hope to do as well. Oh gosh, hopefully some more hiking, camping, visiting national parks. That's something I chart out to do and plan to do. I got to return to Yellowstone last year. So I'm hoping when I go to Arizona and Utah for filming Conservation Nation episodes, I hope to revisit the Grand Canyon National Park. I haven't been there in like 17 years. So it'd be good to revisit that. Maybe Zion, maybe some of the Utah parks, some national monuments, wilderness areas, and everything kind of in that route. And then hopefully some other cool natural scapes. I think I'm going to, what am I talking about? I am going to also go to Glacier National Park when we have our Poma conference in June and hopefully explore that. See the glacier there. It's beautiful from what everyone tells me. The pictures don't do it justice. So I'll get to see Glacier National Park when I go to Kalispell, Montana in June. 
So I have a lot of things that I want to accomplish. We'll see what happens. But broadly speaking, I will plan to spend a lot of time outdoors. I don't know if I can spend a thousand hours outdoors, but I will spend a bulk of my time outdoors when permitted and when I'm not working or I have to, if I have to work in the field. So I hope you guys set your course, have some resources at your disposal. I will link to them in the show notes, and I hope you guys will take advantage of the innumerable outdoor opportunities afoot and before you so you don't get suckered into social media, wasting time. You want to bolster your health. The outdoors is the best way to really have a good year. So I hope you do that and you challenge yourself to do that. All right, guys, I want to talk about this interesting development from the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, which I never thought would do this under this administration of all things because they're not really friendly to gun rights. But according to the reload from our friend Stephen Gutowski, he wrote towards the tail end of December that the ATF is moving to speed up silence or short barrel rifle registration processes. And yes, I know some people have different viewpoints of ATF. Some want to abolish it. They want to give ATF more powers. I know there's a whole wide range of opinions about the ATF. But interestingly enough, with this development, I thought it was interesting and worth sharing that they're going to shorten the time for obtaining a suppressor. Suppressors, as you guys know, are mufflers. They are not woolly noise cancelers because you still will hear gunshots. You'll still hear noise when you're shooting suppressed. However, it lowers decibel levels by about 30 decibels on average. It produces less of a recoil when you're shooting with a suppressed firearm. It's also a more enjoyable experience. There's far less noise pollution and you're not having kind of an uncomfortable experience. So I've extolled the benefits of suppressors here on the podcast. I've shot with some several times And personally speaking, I think this would be great because it would be nice to have to not obtain a suppressor, what, nine months to a year wait. So Gutowski wrote that ATF delivered an early Christmas present to those looking to buy items regulated under the National Firearms Act of 1934 by offering a digital application process on Thursday. And I think that was the 23rd of December. The move is part of the agency's efforts to significantly reduce the months-long processing times for those products. The ATF says that digitizing the tax registration form and fingerprint requirement for transferring NFA items to new owners will substantially impact the overall process. This is an ongoing bureau modernization and data migration project, which includes the e-form system, said Eric Longnecker, a spokesperson for the agency, told the Reload. However, one of the more notable updates is the return of the ATF e-form 4 to the system, end quote. And Gutowski writes that the ATF has been attempting to move to a digital system for many of its required forms for several years now and has successfully reduced backlogs associated with other registration forms. In addition to offering a digitized registration form for NRFA transfers, the agency also upgraded its entire digital infrastructure for handling digital registration forms of all kinds. The change will increase access to the highly regulated guns and accessories that have become more popular in recent years. Suppressors, often called silencers, have seen an explosion in popularity over the past decade. The noise muffling devices are both legal to manufacture and own in most of the country. Addendum, 42 states of 50 allow you to own them and don't have effective alternatives on the market. 
The same can't be said for machine guns or short-barreled rifles and shotguns. The sale of newly manufactured fully automatic firearms to the general public was banned by federal law in 1986, which leaves only a few hundred thousand legally registered machine guns in circulation. Short-barreled rifles and shotguns, on the other hand, have largely been supplanted by pistol versions equipped with specialized braces that aren't designed or intended to be pressed against the shooter's shoulder. The ATF has ruled in the past that braces fall outside the purview of the NFA, though the Biden administration is attempting to outlaw them by walking back that exception through executive action. And if you want to learn more about the NFA suppressors, what this update means, I encourage you to read this. But a caveat too, when Stephen was speaking to a firearms historian of the popular site Forgotten Firearms, apparently... The ATF is going to reduce the wait time for obtaining a suppressor from up to nine months to 90 days by the end of 2022 and to 30 days by the end of 2023. That's interesting. It's a lot more generous than the current wait period. It remains to be seen if this will fully go into effect, but I'm encouraged by the news and hearing this should compel a lot of us who want to obtain suppressors, especially to look into this process when they do streamline the forms, registration, review, things of that sort. So I like this. I hope they stick with this. I'm not sure, given the external pressures from the Biden administration and gun control groups to make it increasingly difficult to obtain these accessories, which are, like I had mentioned, legal. But I'm encouraged by this, and I think this is a great story to kick off 2022. We talk positive and negative stories, but I think this reporting from Stephen Gutowski of The Reload is important to discuss, and I know I will continue to cite him for major updates like this when I myself cannot write stories of the subject matter. So we lean on, like I said, experts and those who cover these topics in detail to talk about their stories so you can read good people, read good creators and writers and reporters who cover energy, environment, and conservation. So this is a great story. I hope they don't walk back this. I hope it does come to fruition. Thank you for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you're following us on your preferred podcast player. We like to recommend Apple Podcasts because Apple is where most of our listenership hails from. So if you head over to Apple, subscribe, comb through some episodes, and leave us reviews, we'd be more than appreciative of your support in that manner. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss a beat nor a guest announcement. And you can connect with me personally on my social media feeds. All of the Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram links that I have are all denoted by blue check marks. Really easy to find me. So engage with me there. I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you want to recommend yourself for the show as a prospective guest, I'm all ears to hear and sift through different inquiries. I get a lot of requests and my schedule is also quite busy. So you'll see guests come from me. And I'm, but like I said, I'm always open to different guests coming on the show. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next episode.